Welcome to the Thrive TV Show with Lauren Parsons, helping you boost your health, energy, and productivity. Hi there, and welcome to the Thrive TV Show. I'm Lauren Parsons, wellbeing specialist and your host today. And today I'm joined by Jess Stewart, who's an author and coach from Wellington, New Zealand. Hi, Jess. Hi, Lauren. Fantastic to have you with me. Today we're talking about how to beat imposter syndrome. So I know this is going to be a really key topic for a lot of people out there. So we're going to share what is imposter syndrome, why we get it, where it comes from, and what are the impacts, and also what are the strategies that you can use to overcome it. But before we get into all of your strategies and techniques, Jess, I'd love to ask you some of our this and that questions. If you're ready for a quick fire round, how's that sound? Okay, let's do it. Great. So tell me, burgers or pizza? Pizza. Pizza, nice. And French or German? French. French, oh, just like me. A month without your car or a month without the internet? Probably both if I could. Both, yeah. <laughs> just spend a month walking around with no technology, nice. Hip-hop or rock? Rock, I think. Nice. Indoor pool or outdoor pool? I'd say outdoor, but not in Wellington. <laughs> not in Windy Wellington, yeah. <laughs> Uh, invisibility or invincibility? I think invincibility would be more useful. <laughs> nice, nice superpower. Um, iOS or Android? Android. Nice. Long nails or short nails? I have short nails, but uh, yeah, that's not my choice. <laughs> okay. And would you rather be able to fly or teleport? Teleport. Nice. Yeah, you'd never be late for anything, would you? Awesome. So Jess is an international speaker and imposter syndrome expert. She's a coach and the author of two books, the latest of which, Like a Girl, is designed to help women unlock their potential and thrive at life. She gives practical advice and tips for building resilience, leveraging strengths whilst navigating fear, getting over self-doubt, and mastering the art of balance. Jess believes that tapping into your potential doesn't mean doing more or having to be different. It's about uncovering what's already there and being enough just as you are. So I love that. We are so aligned on that. Jess helps busy, high-achieving women to find more time for them to reprioritize what matters, to build resilience, release their potential, and believe they can. So Jess, tell me, how did you get started doing what it is you're doing now? Um, well, my career, my initial career was in human resources. So I've always worked with people. And then about five years ago, I decided um, I'd quit my corporate career and wanted to do something for myself and um, started coaching. And there was just some reoccurring themes, all the work that I've done with people, particularly with women, that I, there were these amazing individuals that couldn't see themselves through the eyes of others. They couldn't see how amazing they were. And so my kind of why became all about helping us tap into that because what I saw in others, I'd experienced myself throughout my career. Um, and yeah, it was so prevalent that it kind of led me to this space where I wanted to, to help people tap into what do we do with this and how do we overcome it? Mm -hmm. And so the term is imposter syndrome. Now, for people that may not be familiar with this, can you explain what it means? Can you give us a definition? Yeah, sure. And um, it's probably one of the questions I'm most often asked when I say I'm an imposter syndrome expert. People say, what is it? <laughs> and it is, I mean, in a nutshell, it is this um, inability to internalize our success. So when we get praise and recognition, we wave it away and put it down to something outside of ourselves. But it's also this fear that we're going to be exposed as a fraud. And that's where the imposter term comes from. So it sounds like 
one of these days they're going to find out I don't know as much as they seem to think I do. And that plays in our head and gives rise to this fear that we're going to be um, exposed as, as an imposter. Mm-hmm. And why do you think people have that fear? Why is this becoming so prevalent? I think it's always been there. It's just something that we don't really discuss. So the International Journal of Behavioural Science say that 70% of people get imposter syndrome. And it's one of these things that kind of comes and goes and rears its head, normally at a time where we're outside of our comfort zone, we're taking on challenges, trying new things, and we're risking failing. And it gives rise to this fear of, what if I'm not as good as people think? And it is this kind of self-doubt that we think we might fail or not be as perfect as people expect us to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can so relate to that. And I think it's quite interesting to hear the number of amazing people out there that are doing incredible things and that clearly are talented and intelligent and yet they themselves will admit they've got imposter syndrome. Or for me, I, can, I know there's so many times when I've had some sort of success, but it's so easy for us to minimise it, isn't it? And to, and to think, oh, well, that was lucky. So yeah. is, do you feel like it's something that comes and goes? Is it something that can go away for people? Yeah, yeah, it does come and go. I mean, I always say to people the silver lining with this, because there's not many, but the one silver lining is that it is the domain of high achievers. So if you're getting imposter syndrome, the chances are you're good at what you're doing. And that's the irony of the human the brain that we have that we have to be good at something to then doubt our abilities in that thing um but it does tend to kind of ebb and flow so i often speak to women who've been out of um work because they've been bringing up children and then they return to the workforce and that can be where the the kind of volume increases i liken it to the switch on your stereo where you either turn the volume down or or up and if we're going for a promotion a new job Basically, anything that stretches us, challenges us, is new or different, and we're getting out of our comfort zone, that tends to be where the volume increases, where our imposter syndrome is concerned. And obviously, if we've been in the same job for 10 years and know it inside out, we're less likely to have those feelings of doubt and and suffer from imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's true, because I'm often stretching out of my comfort zone. And I think that's the thing that people at any level, if you're stretching to do something bigger, I mean, even starting this Thrive TV show, there was a lot of imposter syndrome coming in going, oh, who are you to run your own TV show? You create your own podcast. Yeah, but actually, when it comes back to it, I had to think, well, there's some amazing people out there that I know that I can have incredible conversations with that I really want to share their knowledge with the world because there's so much more incredible knowledge out there than just what I've learned myself. So I decided to push through and make it happen. And I had to think to myself, what would people miss out on if I didn't take this step, even though there's fear involved? Yeah, yeah. yeah. One thing I know you said that you at the moment are really focusing on helping women. Is this something that only affects women? What does it affect women and men? No, no, it's not gender specific at all. It's, it's quite funny because I think women perhaps talk about it more. And we are, I guess, more able to talk about vulnerabilities and accept that we have um, this, this weakness. Whereas I think probably for men, it's less permissible to have that conversation and to kind of be more vulnerable in that space. So I don't think it's that women get it more than men I think it's just that we talk about it more perhaps um but yeah that that statistic of 70% is irrespective of gender oh yeah absolutely and I think that's so that's so believable and so true Mm. it's almost like we walk around with this mask on pretending that yes I'm okay I've got it all together hoping that people don't find out that really I've got these fears and insecurities underneath and I think even just knowing that 
can be quite a weight off people's shoulders, can't it? To realise, yeah. oh, this is not just me. Yeah, tell me about that and perhaps some it's, of your clients. It's really powerful. It's one of the most powerful things I get from the workshops that I do. People saying, oh, wow, this is a thing. It has a name and it's not just me. So it's not some fatal character flaw. Other people get it and really awesome people get it. And the more we talk about it, the more we're sharing our story with people that aspire to be us. And they can say, oh, so you get it. So that means that there's hope for me to also be awesome, not that, you know, this is the end of the line for me. So it's, it is one of those things. I remember um, a Fijian lady coming up to me after a talk I'd given saying, wow, I, I'm in my 50s and I've spent my whole entire life thinking that this was some kind of cultural defect that only applied to Fijian women because this is the first time I've ever heard anybody else talk about it. And she was in a room surrounded by women of all different ages, backgrounds, nationalities, um, but had never had that opportunity up until then. Wow. So what are some of your strategies for people that are listening in that are no doubt going, okay, I want to know what do I do about this, Jess? What are the strategies to help navigate it? Yeah, I think um, when you touched on there how you started the Thrive TV show and the feelings that you went through, I think when you come through something like that, you can reflect on that competence that you've proven to yourself gives you confidence. So once you've done it and you've proven you can do it, you get confidence from that. So the next time you do it or the next time you get out of your comfort zone, it doesn't seem so big. And I think flexing our comfort zone and growing our comfort zone is a big part of being comfortable with fear and with self-doubt and navigating that imposter syndrome feeling celebrating our success is something we're not good at and this helps too when we start reflecting on each week as it goes past and thinking what's gone well for me what have I done well because this is flexing the muscles of the brain that help us notice our successes and, and accept them and obviously it's evidence that offsets that voice that tells us we're not as good as people think we are and mm -hmm. it's difficult I think in New Zealand particularly where we are quite modest and we have this tall poppy society for us to talk about our strengths and our successes but the more we get used to doing that um, the easier it becomes to navigate imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So have you got practical ways that, like, what are the ways that you celebrate success or have you got stories of clients, the way that they have done it? Yeah, yeah. So one of the, the nicest ways to do this is to kind of keep a bit of a success journal. So either a journal, a diary, or for the more technological advanced, um, an icon on your desktop, an email folder, somewhere where you can just put all your successes and achievements. And that doesn't have to be, you know, I've, I've earned a degree. It can be the small things like I've got feedback from a client or a customer, or I've just finished this project and someone sent this email thanking me for it. It's all those little things because then you've got a place each time you collect that information, you're flexing that muscle in your brain to notice it, but also you've got a place to revisit so that when you're having those off days, you can go and have a look in that folder and be reminded of all the reasons you're actually great at what you do. And when you're having those moments of self-doubt, there's the evidence that actually says, I can do this despite what I'm feeling on the inside. Mm -hmm. And what else do you recommend to people if they're in that moment? Self-doubt and perhaps it's actually stopping them from taking a step that they know they otherwise want to take, what advice would you give them? I mean, we're all different and different things work for different people. And when I explain strategies to people, I tend to say, look, treat this as a menu and pick off it the things that you like and that work for you. And sometimes mantras and affirmations help people offset that kind of stuff in the moment. Um, and other times it's, it's your success folder and the evidence and revisiting that stuff. But knowing that you know, if, if you can see yourself through other people's eyes and knowing the feedback other people give you or why you've got that job in the first place helps remind you that the reality may be somewhat different to what you're 
mind is currently telling you, particularly when we're down that spiral of, of self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time we just have to know that this is a normal feeling when we get out of our comfort zone. It's normal to, to feel fear. It's normal to worry about failing, but that it shouldn't stop us. If we can figure out what's the worst that can happen, and if I can deal with that or plan for that, then actually there's nothing stopping me. I, I try it anyway, and two mm-hmm. things will happen. I'll fail and I'll learn something or I'll succeed and my confidence will improve. But either way, it's a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great question, you know. So if people are listening in, if you're thinking of something that, oh, you're feeling some fear towards stepping out or following through or just showing up the way that you want to, to ask yourself, what is the worst thing that could happen right now if I do this? And, And think perhaps on what you might miss out on, I guess, as well. So that someone once said to me that, you know, fear is always going to be there, but it's like if you are the one that's in the driving seat of the car and you are driving where you want to go, just remember that fear is going to be there with you, but just get fear to jump in the back seat so that it's, you know, no longer the thing that's driving the car and, and maybe just tune it down. You know, imagine you've got one of those windows that goes up that just blocks it out so that it's there and you acknowledge it, but you just carry on. Yeah. Yeah. Great <laughs> advice. So any other things that you, you could share if someone's struggling right now with self-doubt, you said this is all about how to beat imposter syndrome. What are the other keys that you share? I think one of the other things that, again, we're not so good at, particularly in New Zealand and particularly as women, um, is our strengths. So some, when I ask the question, one of the exercises we do in part of the workshop is, tell me what your strengths are and let's figure out how we navigate those. Most people don't even know what their strengths are, let alone how they navigate them. So I encourage people to look at that and not just yourself, because we do tend to have blind spots where our own strengths are concerned or we undervalue them. We assume that if we're good at something, everybody else must be good at that as well. So it's, it's of no real value. And so when we start asking our friends, our colleagues, the people that know us well, what do you value in me? What are, what are my strengths in your opinion? And you start to get some reoccurring themes that may or may not align with your own thoughts. I think that's a really powerful way of one, understanding what we're good at, but knowing that we've got strengths we can leverage because we're not all good at everything. And sometimes that feeds our self-doubt because there are things we're not as good at. And so therefore we think we're going to get found out and that we're a failure. But when we can hone in on our strengths and leverage them, it's a much more powerful place to be. Mm -hmm. But we've got to know what they are to start with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a reality. We don't often take time, just like we don't always take time to celebrate, we don't often take time to think about our strengths. And it is a fantastic tip to ask other people how they see you, because it's other people's perceptions that are a reality for them. So it might be that you have quite a strong personality, and maybe you sometimes feel like you're too bossy, but actually people might see you as having fantastic leadership skills. Or it might be that you're quite quiet. And you feel like you're just really shy, but other people may say, you are such a loyal friend and I know I can always come and talk to you and you're the best listener I have ever found. So often it's just understanding how other people see us and focusing in on the puzzles that people do see because their perception is reality, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And we tend to, when we're talking about our own strengths, we tend to think, am I, am I really good at that? Is that a strength? And when you hear it a number of times from different sources, that helps you know, oh, okay, so that must be true because all these people have, have agreed that that's a particular strength I have. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think it is. It just sort of makes sense that we just take our own strengths for granted. You know, if you're really organised, you've probably always been organized or always been tidy. So that's just the way life is for you. But actually, because when you really think about that, not everyone has the same 
traits as you have. I mean, that's the beautiful thing in life is that we're all unique. And I love what you mentioned about being enough is not about trying to be different or trying to be more, but just being you. Yeah. Jess, can you tell me a bit about what do you think the role of technology has had in all of this, and particularly social media and comparing ourselves to others and seeing what other people are putting in their highlight reels? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, that's just changed the face of the way we, we live, we work. I mean, it has its advantages, the technology, um, even in this space in terms of what we can access to help us. But I think as well, it has increased those feelings of self-doubt, of particularly of comparison. Um, I mean, I don't know whether you all resonate with this uh, running your own business, but I know when I joined um, a woman's business group to get kind of some help, some support, to be surrounded by like-minded people, the first thing it did when I scrolled through all what the amazing things people were doing and the amazing women that were part of this group, the first thing it did was made me feel like an imposter and made me think like, oh God, all these women are out there doing these amazing things and I can't even get my own website together yet. <laughs> Those things. And that I'm not as good as these people and I'll never be as good as these mm -hmm. people. So a lot of the time with social media, we do find ourselves comparing to others and falling short or thinking that what we're doing has to be perfect for us to share it, for it to be worthy, for it to be mm -hmm. good, whether that's how we look or the job we have, the life we have. And social media certainly plays into that because we do assume that what we see is real. And a lot of what we see is, you know, the perfect airbrushed photo or somebody's mm -hmm. perfect life on Facebook, which may not be their actual real life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know the reality of it is that people often will just put up their best posts, you know, their favourite happy moments. They're not, they're not necessarily going to share when the family's all sick or when something's gone wrong. And, I, you know, and I can admit that I'm like that as well. I don't necessarily want to share all my negative stuff or cry on the internet. And I do believe in vulnerability, but I think we need to understand that. It's what we see online is not always the reality. And and if you're, you're comparing yourself, there's always going to be someone who's further along in that journey and, and someone who's behind you in that journey. And so, and you're always going to be behind someone else somewhere in different parts of your journey as well. So, yeah, we need to step away from that comparing, don't we? And just, oh, totally, yeah. totally. And just also this need to think that things have to be perfect, you know, that I have to have all my ducks in a line and everything has to be perfect for it to be right, for it to be successful, for it to be worthy. Yes. Um, I, I was at a conference uh, last year and um, I can't remember who it was. One of the speakers said something that really resonated around perfection because it tends to be this aspiration we have and we feel like we're failing if we're not perfect. But she said, mm -hmm. the closer you are to perfect, the less people will trust you because it's not authentic, it's not real, it's not genuine. And that for me was a bit of a sort of, ah, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. Why can't we just focus on being us and being amazing as we are as opposed to trying to be something more perfect that's possibly le less authentic and therefore less genuine? Mm -hmm, absolutely. And, I mean, just reminds me of all of Brene Brown's teaching mm -hmm. around vulnerability and how confronting that was for her when she realised actually the intersection of finding happiness and joy is starting out by being vulnerable. And that was, you know, caused her basically to have a breakdown and <laughs> reassess her whole life. And not that we necessarily do that, because that's the great thing of being able to learn from others. But realising that, that, yeah, that soft front, firm spine, all of those things being vulnerable. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. The other thing that this conversation reminded me of is my interview with Natalie Toloff, where we talked about how to take imperfect action. So if you are someone that tends towards perfectionist tendencies and fear is holding you back, then do listen in to that uh, interview as well. I know you know Natalie well as, yep, she's great. as well. So <laughs> how taking imperfect action, don't wait for it to be perfect. It, plan 101 
with imperfections is much better than plan zero that never got off the ground so yeah 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 totally and it's interesting because um procrastination is is actually um one of the sort of consequences of imposter syndrome in that we kind of want to play it safe so we end up doing nothing at all or we stay in our comfort zone because we don't want to challenge that fear and risk failure and get found out so a lot of you know us putting stuff off or not doing stuff is about that kind of playing it safe staying where we are and not taking that risk even if it means it might not be perfect so it's great advice nice so if you're listening in today your homework i guess is to go away and perhaps make a list of your strengths and the things that you're great at to start collecting evidence that can remind you of the things that you've done well like starting a celebration or a success journal or something technology based i have something actually i just whenever i get emails from clients i just save it into a word document and I do literally go back and read that some days and go, oh, that's right. That's why I'm here. And yeah, I have made a difference <laughs> because Correct. it's so easy how much we um, mind the way that our brain works, how we minimize and, and forget things. And another funny story I wanted to share actually that came to mind is years ago, I used to send an article um, or say that I could do articles for the next magazine, which is one of the premier women's magazines here in New Zealand. And they would email back saying, thanks very much, but no, thank you. We've got enough content right now. And I'd say that's fine. And then a few years later, they uh, actually asked me to do uh, a profile. So they had this beautiful four-page spread profile, three whole pages of my uh, recipes. It was the time when my Real Food Less Fuss book was coming out. So I had the seven pages in Next Magazine, which was like, woohoo, you know, and it was something I celebrated. It was fantastic. But, you know, just as soon as it came out and I held the magazine in my hands, you know what the first thought in my head was? It was, oh, yeah, but I'm not on the cover. <laughs> You know, and it's just like we just totally, it reminds me of Sean Aker, you know, his TED talk around the happy secret to better work, how often we think that if we're successful, then we'll be happy, but actually if we're happy in the present, then we'll be more successful and we just always set the bar higher. So I guess, yeah, if you're listening in, I just share that because it's easy to look at Jess, look at me, look at all these people that are out there doing things in the world and to think, oh, well, they've got it sus. They would never have imposter syndrome or doubts or fears or discount their abilities. But actually, it's just a part of life, so we all have to deal with this. Yeah, yes, you're so right. We do. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, Jess. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your wisdom on this. Yeah. If people wanted to find out more or get in contact with you, what's the best way to reach you? So all of the usual social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, I've got my own YouTube channel as well. Best place to head is the website, www.juststuart.co.nz. Fantastic. And we'll have the links all down below. If you head to thrivetvshow.com, you can get all the links and bonus content down there. And we talked before we got on also about sharing some of the research from Pauline Clancy, who first um, came up with the phrase imposter syndrome. So we'll share that link as well of a great video of hers that you can consider. So Jess, if I can ask you just to share one final piece of advice to everyone listening in, for those that really want to help beat imposter syndrome, what would you say? Um, I always say it's not a case of whether we feel fear or not, because we all do about something. Um, it's about whether we let it stop us. So I think the next time we're feeling that fear of being exposed as a fraud or getting out of our comfort zone or trying something new, that we kind of just allow that to be, know that it's normal and do it anyway, because feeling the fear isn't the problem. It's if it stops us or make us, makes us play it safe, that's where the problems come in, where, where this is concerned. So, so yeah knowing that that's normal and doing it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because we don't want you to miss out on all the amazing things that are out there. You know, I just think of the mums that are fearful that perhaps hold themselves back from getting in the pool and splashing around with their kids or 
yeah, people that are in their business that are perhaps thinking of up-leveling or growing, you know, not that we're saying just jump in and you've got to do your risk assessment, but really I love that question that you shared earlier, Jess. Think about what's the worst thing that could happen. Remember that everyone, or virtually everyone, the majority of us have some level of this at some yeah. point and just step out. Yeah. Fantastic. So thank you so much for joining us, Jess. Thank you to everyone for tuning in today. That's been another episode of the Thrive TV show. Go out and thrive. Thank you for listening to the Thrive TV show with Lauren Parsons. Visit thrivetvshow.com to access the show notes and discover our fantastic bonus content. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next inspiring episode.